Hello and welcome to New Tricks, the weekly podcast from New Dog PR. I'm Emily Newman. And I'm Catherine Doggall. This podcast is a chance to mull over the current goings on in hotel land, chat to some pleasant folk about things they know and provide some interest for your ears. We've brought our journalism and communication experience together with our sector knowledge and contacts to create a strategic PR company which understands investing in hotels and the many roles within them. This week, we're joined by Christian Mole, Head of UK Hospitality at EY, and we get down to business. If and when will the lucrative business travel sector resume, and where is that deluge of leisure customers we've been promised? Check behind the sofa, in the sock drawer, and possibly in the Christmas decoration box as well. If found, return to hospitality. Hello and welcome to New Tricks, the weekly podcast from New Dog PR. This week we are joined by Christian Moll, Head of UK Hospitality at EY. Christian, thank you for joining us. Welcome to New Tricks. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Good to be speaking to you on this uh, grey morning in London. It is a smidge, isn't it? Sorry about that. How's it in Paris, Catherine? Wildly sunny, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but welcome, Christian. Welcome. <laughs> and uh, schools are back open? Schools are back open. So, um, yes, as I was saying only earlier, school days really are the best days of your life. Um, certainly this day is one of the best days of my life. So I'm so pleased that you could all be joining me on it. As are, as are we all, to share in your collective joy. I won't make the point that I feel like I need to make, which this was that three weeks, you had three weeks. And two weeks of those were holidays. Sorry, sorry, we have an election <laughs> next year. That's all I can say <laughs> in this matter. <laughs> We've got quite a lot to cover. There's a lot going on. And um, before we even, you know, that's excluding football and interior designs. Um, but it'd be, I think it would be handy and helpful and useful to start with perhaps business travel. Um, mm. Christian, you are... So EY is not an, an insign- owns not an insignificant occupier of vast amounts of uh, office space what's the before we move on to sort of international business travel what's the vibe what's the what's going on in terms of working from home being in the office have you been in the office have you completely worked from home and what's what's the guidance going forward yeah I've been probably a bit unusual that I have uh, been trying to get into the office once or twice a week to avoid going completely stir crazy at home with a dog and, a, and, a, and the bare walls um, but I, I stand pretty much the exception um I think our London Bridge office probably holds something like four or five thousand in theory, at least it did pre-pandemic. But uh, at the moment, it, it, you've probably got at most 200, 250 people going in, and that's gone up quite a bit in the last few weeks. Um, so it's it's going up a little bit, but I still it's it's early days. I think when you get on the train in the mornings, it's still I get a base bay of six to myself. So it's you're starting to change a bit, but slow. Mm. I think. I think. Uh, Things are starting to open about. It's not a complete ghost time where, where we are at London Bridge. There are people working, walking around. The cafes are starting to open, but it's still very, it's still pretty quiet. And I find it quite surprising. In a way, when I speak to a lot of people, even young people, are still, a lot of them are still very reluctant to travel. They, they are a bit nervous around going by tube, etc. So it's going to be a bit of a slow burn, I think. At the moment, we're being quite, we're basically letting people do what they want, basically. We'd like to see people in, but at the moment, if you feel more comfortable working from home, please do. Um, so it's still the dominant is very much working from home. And has there been any um, sort of thoughts, instruction, guidance on what how that might progress or change? Is there are you working towards a plan? Are they like in, 
how do you what what's the sort of ongoing coloured lists and things are very popular weren't they after the last lockdown if you were on a red thing or a green thing or a gold list or this team or that team then you had to come on you know third day after pentecost or wherever it was be nothing as sophisticated as that no sort of rotor system or anything like that the big change you go into the office and basically you've got little flags above the doors with desk that you're allowed to use so it's basically so you've got Ooh. social distancing measured out i, I think it's because it's in a way it's basically been up to individual teams on individual products to agree what they want to do um and so far i'd say the vast majority of people are still working from home still spending a lot of time on teams or zoom or whatever all the day and working like that but I think people are recognising that, that there is a certain efficiency that's lost there just through actually speaking to people, actually looking at things together rather than over, over, over the Zoom or whatever. And particularly if you're, what I do, when you're actually uh, delinching a hotel deal and speaking to the other side, there's something that's lost in not actually being able to sit there and see the whites of their eyes, so to speak. Um, it's okay doing it by Zoom, but you lose something. And I think... There's, there's, mm. there's not really a huge amount of demand to actually get back and start seeing people, but it's but it's got you got it's you got the cautiousness as well. I think that's going on as well. Which so I think we probably will get back to people on a, as a norm. I think doing something like two to three days a week in the office because there's no doubt people suddenly recognise that you can work from home effectively. It's nice not having to commute every day. So I think you'll get back to two to three days as norm. I don't think you're going to get back to mm. what we'd had before four or five days a week apart from a a few very keen people i think who've got very small who can't work at home and that's going to be a, a, a bit of a change in itself and i think that's where i get a little bit concerned about what's going to happen to footfall in Germany city centers because if you basically extrapolate that you people in cafes grab to go losing 20 percent of their turnover particularly it's gonna have a big effect and you can see that from just mm. some of the people closed you've had around us things have, are not going to open and you're now seeing gaps and boarded up shops where you wouldn't have expected to see them a year ago. Does that mean you're going to end up with a, a Pret in your local suburban town instead? Or is it just going to be fewer Prets? I think fewer Prets, personally. Um, I think... Um, Good God. A lot of people are... <laughs> there were quite a lot before. <laughs> there were a lot, yes. But, <laughs> but just because just there's one on every corner... No, if I look at my where I am, I'm sort of a nice suburban place out towards Ken, it's... Uh, I just don't think there'd be enough footfall there for some, for a brand like Pret to put something in. Personally, hmm. um, I think you'd, I think you'd struggle. Um, what about a, a delivery of, deliver th- deliver Pret? Well, that's that's a little bit akin, I'd imagine, to where I used to I used to work on jobs on sort of industrial sites. You ever get the guy in the van coming around sending sa- selling sandwiches and the like? Um, oh, of course, yes, the sandwich the van, man, which I haven't seen for a while. I don't I don't know to be honest. Um, I, I, we know how difficult it actually is to make money from on, from online delivery of groceries. I think the economics of making the mm. delivery prep hadn't worked into them at all, but I imagine it wouldn't be that easy to make work. Um, you, no, if no. I look at where I am, where people are quite spread around the commuters. You need, and I don't see the metrics would be challenging to make work, I suspect. Well, it's a sad day for avocado producers everywhere. <laughs> I thought Pret or Costa or one of them did some sort of deliver at home thing at the beginning of this. Is that all? Is that all? Did that happen? They did. If you, but uh, as Christian said, is is if you're in the right location, mm. that makes sense for them. So not, I don't think they're delivering out to the wilds and the new forests, for example. Sad times. And um, and what when- does what's the sort of general view on? Um, 
corporate travel so leading you know we're, we're edging towards a discussion on on into the you know resuming international business travel what's the corporate view on on business travel these days at ey i think the general view is there's a, there's a lot of pent-up demand we want to be able to go out and see our clients physically um but i think you're going to once in the same way as you've got the demand for pubs and restaurants i suspect that's that's going to be strong but how sustainable it's going to be going forward i don't know the thing is with with Zoom and Teams, the genie's out of the bottle. So as whereas previously I've got to go up for a two hour meeting in in Sheffield or wherever, I probably sort of go up maybe stay overnight, um, do that and come back on the train. I think the likelihood a lot of those are now going to be done by Zoom. I think and particularly in the white collar, uh, if if mm. you want to call it that, meetings where you don't physically have to be there. If you're a, I don't know, a construction worker working on a particular project, you need to be actually physically somewhere. You're, that's still going to be going on. That travel, I think, will come back and won't go. It's a white collar travel that I think is going to be quite a bit diminished. I think the converse of that is, I think, potentially because you're going to see a lot of people not commuting, it could be more of a struggle to get teams together for the kind of uh, regular team meetings or strategy meetings. And I think you may see a quite a bit of, of, of business, of events business going on as a result of that. Um, looking to take teams off site to catch up a couple of times a year because it's more difficult to do it in the office. So that will benefit. But I don't think that's going to offset the general slow debt reduction in business travel. And mm. there is undoubtedly going to be an even many businesses will be think, focusing on costs. And travel is quite expensive. Some of the businesses I'm looking at at the moment, they have basically, their international businesses during pandemic may have obviously cut down on their travel costs a lot a huge amount and they're thinking actually do i really need to go back to this level of travel cost going forward probably not and you basically um assume that applies to most people so i just think there's gonna be a bit diminishing thing there we've done a couple of surveys we did a we did a global travel survey of thousand or so people back in february and i think they're of that number, I think the vast majority of people said there's going to be a really substantial reduction in travel. That's what we're expecting. And I think something like um, 37% of people thought it would be more than 25% uh, reduction in business travel, which is uh, probably taking it to Bill mm. Gates' levels of pessimism. I think Bill's probably a bit too pessimistic, but I can <laughs> see that 20 25% reduction without too pretty easily. Happy, happy, Bill. Going back to your comment before about the whites of their eyes, um, have you made any new chums on Zoom, like new new business friends, or will you have to make new contacts in person? No, I think I have made quite a few. I mean, one thing that's been quite noticeable, even during the early days of the pandemic, um, there was this belief in the hotel space which is going to end to in disaster was going to be lots of stock coming to the market and so we were having lots of calls from lots of investors some of them i'd never met in person but keen to to meet to talk around what opportunities were coming up and so there's been a lot of contacts i've made over zoom i think it's not it's, it's never ideal as meeting them face to face but uh mm. but it's better it's still slightly better than just a anonymous phone call so yeah i think in that sense probably it has made it easier to speak to more people because you don't have obviously it's a lot easier to slot lots of zoom calls into your diary rather than physical meetings so it in a way you could argue that's been quite helpful having that facility there yes there was a survey out yesterday wasn't there um saying we have in fact been much much more productive um because of zoom and all the rest of it um but we are also much much more mental um, I think, and to, to quite a large extent, so <laughs> which is something to consider, and how how productive we we really need to be. But obviously, in the Western world, we have a tendency um, not to be as productive as we could be. So maybe this is a good shake up. See what we can all learn. 
Um, but so, so you've been talking to people, I'm going to kind of crowbar the conversation effortlessly around to, so you were talking to people about problems that they may have and opportunities. Uh, when are we going to, we're not seeing these problems as yet. And and it's it's very weird. Um, and we, we were on a webinar last week where we discussed how it used to be the case in the hotel sector that, um, you know, you only had to move Easter and everyone, it was like collective nervous breakdowns all over the shop. Um, and now you can close down a sector for a year and no one seems too troubled. Um, I'm not quite sure what happened there because it seems counterintuitive to my uh, GCSE economics. Well, I think the, the, different, the big difference is that the, you have had this extensive level of support. So you've had to furloughing, you've had the business rates holiday, you've had various types of supported loans. So I think hoteliers have been able to generally keep that cash burn down to a kind of generally manageable level at the same time the banks have basically been saying well we're going to be pretty kind and we're not going to get we're going to be pretty calm and we're not going to be charging in there uh, that's what made that's what made the big difference um i think there's also this kind of fear that well values are really being hit quite badly so why would you do anything now when if you do anything it ends up in the sale it's going to be a much diminished value i think possibly the mood is starting to change now um, I think you, you've seen a couple of transactions. There's a Project Horizon out there, which I think is going to go for a, a price well above the debt price, which I think will inc- will basically give people a lot of people view out there. But but value is not down as much as they as they think. HVS did an interesting survey last week, but basically basically it was comparing all the 2020 valuations it had done with those in 2019, and it was basically saying that valuations were generally down about. 10 to 15 percent and in quite a few cases it was it was less than that or even seen slight increases so this kind of fear out there that the bottom's completely dropped out of values has gone i think it's partly pushed by the fact there is so much capital out there that is looking for things so anything that does go up for auction is pretty hardly thought and that helps drive the price up as well where i think you're going to see the real activity Mm. is when we come out of lockdown the furloughing ends but then you're going to likely see a bit of a quite a period before you actually get back to profitability levels you had beforehand and you'll probably be able to get back to levels of occupancy be able to show your aptitude able to make a profit break even whatever but are you gonna make that sort of money that's going to allow you to actually meet your interest payments and pay your backlog of, of rent pay your principal back that's gonna be a lot more difficult and that's when i think it's likely that banks will be thinking hey we know you've got difficulties but there's a lot of capital out there you need to think about going and getting some of that because we can't support we can't support you. And that's when I think you'll find a lot more activity coming through, whether it's in the shape of new debt going in or minority interests. And that's where I think you'll get interesting. And you're seeing signs of that at the moment, I think. Certain more hotels are coming onto the market, generally off-market deals, but portfolios, which have perhaps, they've got a few assets mm-hmm. in there, but don't particularly fit. They'd be more confident in putting those out to market and entering into discussions now because they know that the values they'll get will be okay. Yeah. Oh, such a terrible shame, though, for all our private equity friends. I guess feeding into that slightly is, well, feeding into that a lot, actually, is what the consumer's doing. Um, What do you think, so we've talked a bit about business travel. In terms of leisure travel, um, do you think people will play it safe and stick to the UK this year? Or do you think the leisure all these gazillion pounds worth of savings will people will try and go tra- travel internationally this year um what do you think the general mood is we're just coming out of the reopening aren't we and and i'd um expected there to be a massive flood of everyone going out and certainly all the the 
the stories were that it was really hard to find anywhere. But now we're hearing, and I don't know if you're hearing this as well, Christian, um, we're hearing that, you know, there was, in fact, you know, Cornwall was empty. And certainly, according to, I'm basing all this on my French teacher. Um, she said that she went to Cornwall and she was the only one hiring bicycles and the only one taking surf lessons. And you could drive there without traffic jams. And it was all really weird. Um, so I don't know if the, if the boom has, has come back, but that's really just to expand on your question, Emily. We were very careful when I announced the opening up of 12th of April to make sure it was after Easter holidays and a lot of people so you weren't able to see families go charging off and if you're still able to only really eat out of door, eat outdoors you're taking a bit of faith in the UK climate uh, I mean I was out a few times during that first week but really it was like isolation <laughs> zebra out there you were basically shivering away as you drank your beer um, I think you are going to see I, I think you will see a real boost as you get into May and to the May bank holiday into June, I think there's no doubt there's a huge pent up demand. Just and people are going to go for these UK holidays, whether it's short breaks or four weeks away. Um, on the international side, I don't know. You, you, it's really you want to take the gamble, basically, because from what I can make out, the, the actual booking rates in the UK for these cottages, holiday parks are really, really high. Um, so a lot of people are obviously thinking, I'm not going to take the risk. I, I'm kind of in this bracket, whereas I was meant to go to the US last year, just deferred it to this year and hoped it would go ahead. I'm still kind of thinking, hmm, I'm kind of hoping that Biden mm. will open up floodgates. But if not, I don't know, we'll get a last minute trip to Greece because Greece seems to be making quite favorable noises about opening up some kind of travel corridor. But if not, then I think I'm probably just going to be trying to find a cottage somewhere anywhere. Um and I think we, but there's no doubt a lot of consumers are taking a soft op as a safe option. And you're going to see a big boost in UK staycation just like you did last year. Because the numbers last year for that opening period, July to September, October, in in your literary places like Cornwall, uh, Norfolk, even the Scottish Highlands, were really very strong. I think you'll see exactly the same again this year. So you'll probably see some partial return of, of international travel if it opens up. But most people, I think, have, have probably already taken a safe option and got the UK option in the bag. It does seem that way, doesn't it? Um, what about general uh, changes that we've seen over the course of the last however many months it's been in terms of the sector? Do you think there will be... So, for example, some examples to chuck at you, um, the increased uh, use of technology in hotels, uh, the alignment, better alignment between owner and operators, more doing what the guest wants. Do you think these things are as a result of strange times or are they here to stay? What's your view on things that have occurred and how they might stick or disappear? I think the biggest thing I've seen um... I'm talking to hoteliers, which is probably something isn't going to be that evident to many guests, is that basically shutting your hotel for a year or whatever gives you a real opportunity to basically just to rework your cost base from ground upwards, start again. What, 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 how many staff do I need? What does my labour scheduling model look like? So I think that's going to be some big changes in your, in your cost base, which I think will carry on in the longer term. And I think generally you're going to see to me probably hotels operating with less staff and they realize UK can operate a lot more efficient efficiently but that's something you're going to see from, from behind uh in the back room won't be so evident to guests I think in tech the sector's always been relatively a slow adopter I think um the big sort of thing I'll be interested to see is this balance between 
putting in more tech to try and reduce the amount of human contact to make everybody feel safer and cleanlier, which I think would be a it's a big why because the, the, thing, the whole thing about hotels it's for it's for ho, it's for hotel, it's for human contact it's the element of it. Um, I know, but, but there's this prospect of going to a hotel and just doing an electronic check-in. Um, but um, that's not something I look forward to. I think part of the experience is actually meeting somebody on the other side of the desk and and do, and, and doing the personal thing. I think way I would like to see certain things done better is perhaps the interaction with digital car. It's always baffled me as I, you go into even a high-end hotel and you go to the bar, you start to fill out a little chip and shine your, sign your name on it to get a drink, which has always baffled me why they don't have a sort of, you know, given the digital card at the start, even if mm. it just goes on your room bill. I'd hope things like that will hopefully be in, introduced. But a lot of this tech does require quite a bit of capex. And obviously the sector isn't flush with money at the moment. Um, particularly if you're a smaller operator, so that you have to view it. In that Is it something well. that the brands are likely to inflict on owners, though? I think it'll be quite tough for them to inflict it on them. I think um, you, you'll see. Uh, you, you, you'll see. Obviously, the relationship between brands and operators has been, uh, and brands and the owners has been a bit fraught in recent years. I think generally, owners have generally been pretty. I think it's, the brands handled it pretty well this time. I think I think they generally have been supportive. I think uh, in terms of giving guidance on just the, how you deal with a with guests and cleanliness, all that procedures in regard of in, in a pandemic has, been, has gone down very well. But they generally haven't been very pushy. I don't think. I think if they come along and start saying, "Well, you're going to have to invest all this money in the latest sort of digital check-in uh, facilities," that I think they're mm. going to get some pushback on that because simply it's. It's, the cash isn't I don't think it's going to be there for some time to invest in that very good point is there anything else of pressing concern that either of you would like to bring up if before we before we conclude with our rounding up questions Catherine you're looking pensive thoughtful <laughs> I've been practicing all weekend in the mirror <laughs> uh yeah I know um no I'd, okay. I'd be interested to to I don't want to keep on going on about Brexit but uh, I'm gonna um, so, because, you know, milk, we still don't have any here at m um, But it, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Um, a few people over here have started getting back into the Eurostar game in recent weeks. Um, and uh, and it, on the one, on the France to UK side, it's very busy, around, around 80% um, of people coming through. And you're told to get there three hours early, but it's actually only taking 10 minutes to get through. So it's not too horrible. Then on the other side, and this is no doubt a function of it being illegal to leave the country, but on the other side, uh, people are coming back after the recent break and they're the only people on a train where there's only one a day. Um, and the getting onto the train is, is you know, an absolute apocalypse, uh, even though they're the only people getting onto it. Um, are you still, are you seeing a, a schism in terms of travel between the UK and Europe? Are you seeing any differences um, as yet? That we can that we can pin anything on. Um, we're cer- certainly seeing a lot more business travel within the block. Um, I'm meeting somebody, for example, in their office in the human flesh on Thursday morning, and that seems to be something that people are, are doing, you know, casually, without too much bother. Um, and yes, we are at thirty-two thousand cases a day, but that's not the point. Um, it seems that there's a lot more movement around Europe and a lot more use of tests and imminently a passport and this kind of thing and and it seems to me that the the uk is getting more boxed in and there seems to be no kind of imminent freedom well i think that's gonna yeah in a, in a way but the whole pandemic thing has really sort of just taken charge and no one really has talked 
hardly ever talks about Brexit in the context of tri- of, of Europe. We, of hotels now that one thing one does tend to hear about these dreadful queues that are building mm. up at Heathrow if you want to come in there the sort of five or six hour queues um which doesn't bear well for the future i mean i've not heard any direct examples of myself but that's because volumes are so low once people want to once you do have a vaccine passport or whatever and seeing what's going what's going to do to the sort of the uk to european uh travel uh, that will be the killer thing there i think if you are going to go through these so you are going to have these similarly long queues at St Pancras or Garden or then that is going to be a, a huge problem, I think. And then I think you then probably find some quite active lobbying by Kate Nichols and, and whoever to try and address this. But the problem at the moment is, of course, we haven't got a UK Minister of, of Hospitality, mm-hmm. so no one's, I, I don't get the sense anyone's recognising this as the next issue to be addressed when things do come open up. But obviously, I mean, the, the thing that was always worrying about the main comments I heard about Brexit was the worry about what's going to happen to Labour, because obviously in the sector, whether it's restaurants, hotels, pubs, so much migrant labour, and suddenly it's all going to be cut off. Um, at the moment, no one's quite sure if that's going to be the big issue, it'll be a huge problem, given there's, you've got a lot more labour force out there, just the inevitable closures you've closures you see you've seen in the uk hospitality and retail so it's a bigger mm-hmm. labor force in the uk is that going to make up for loss of migrant la- la- labor i don't know um that's a that's a big question mark out which some people are quite still yes. quite worried about i think especially if demand does come back yes because it was all that that cheap labor coming in that left us with you know exciting arrays of new branded restaurants and whatnot wasn't it on the high street all those people there able to fuel all that massive massive expansion which we're now seeing um not con- contracting as, well, before this, it was it was certainly contracting. Obviously, at the moment, it's impossible to tell. But um, there's certainly there's a huge boom in like foreign food and and fanciness, and you can go out and casual dining and and all that sort of thing. Um, and then I don't, but um, largely fueled by our by our friends over here going and doing the waitering. But um, so we'll see, we'll see. Well, the thing of the whole casual dining thing that that kind of went through the mm. pain before the pandemic, you because you had so much privately charging in into into casual dining let's open lots of restaurants we'll pay lots of rent for it oh but suddenly we don't quite have the amount of supply we were hoping which is why i think you've probably seen something like 25 percent of branded restaurants probably close over the last couple of years so i think you've probably got when we when demand comes back and long-term demand for eating out is pretty good i think you've probably got a, a restaurant set that's probably right size itself mm. to a large degree which is good the concern i've kind of got is the hotel set to go to right size itself to adjust for a long-term reduction in corporate travel? And that's, I think you'll see quite a few hotels just, just stop, just won't open. Ones in secondary, third locations, probably independents that haven't got the brand strength behind them. So I think you're going to see a lot of repositioning and refer and, and refurbishing for different uses of hotels going forward, whether it's residential, care homes. So is this finally going to be the destruction of the under-demolished market? Well, yeah, that's a quote. I think Desmond at London Regional has <laughs> been banging around for many years. I think this probably could be it, I think. I think it's, it's a mid-scale that looks probably the, the, we, the weakest, mm. most vulnerable. Um, I think your the limited service you're still going to have as that, that blue-collar travel will keep that going, I think. And I think uh, it'll take a while because of international travel will take a while to come back, but the luxury end will come back as well. It's more a mid-scale, I worry about. There are a lot of mid-scale hotels which probably haven't had the investment they're in, um, not the best locations. They've been doing okay, maybe I make enough money to, to make a profit, but I think 
they're going to see a marked drop off in occupancy going forward. Everyone's saying it's going to take until 2024 to get back to 2019 levels anyway. And that's assuming business travel mm. does all come back. So I think that's where the pain is going to be yep. in that risk. Actually, yeah, so by the, time it, by the time you hear this, dear listener, uh, we will have had the Whitbread results. I see from the piece of paper stuck to my wall. Um, I wonder if they'll be mentioning that they had some super, 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 super budget brand, didn't they, that... Uh, the name of which suddenly escapes me, which was aimed entirely at lorry drivers who want to sleep in business parks or some such. It was very niche. Um, <laughs> I think there was only the yes, one though, wasn't it? In yes, South in the, Wales. In business park. No windows? Was it no windows? It sounded brilliant. Um, I remember they were, <laughs> they were right into it, weren't they, for a little while. And now they're all like, quick, Germany. <laughs> um, so, but yes, Whitbread Go, Whitbread... Uh, well, maybe that will come back. Anyway, anyway. Yes, Whitbread. I'll give myself to remember it. Shall I ask some questions? And then you can you can <laughs> you can steal it at the end with the revelationary news of what the Whitbread lorry drivers brand was. Um so Christian, to conclude, we ask all our guests oh, same questions. Um yeah. which yeah, is yeah. pretty oh zip. Oh, is that what it's called? Zip by Premier. Ah. Yes, I, I think, think you're right. The, the one in the one in Zip. Cardiff or something, wasn't it? Or the Windows. Yeah, their website's all about count, counting sheep with a. But I think it was an existing Premier Inn where basically they just split each room into two, effectively. I'm uh, checking now. Not checking you. Obviously, I was already on their website checking before you revealed that, and um, and I see that they're putting up a. You can watch a, a video of sheep to help you rest easily. Seven full hours of oh no, of rest, not sheep. Okay. Good. So they've been busy. They've been busy. I look forward to the results. <laughs> mm, yeah, there's a picture of a woman with some sheep. Counting the sheep. Christian, when, when the, Christian, when the shutters are up and I've had the jabs in my arm, the first thing I'm going to do is... Well, I've already had that. And, and the first thing I did was basically just head for the local pub. Mm. And I'll, I'll do a shout out. Um, uh, Lovely to a local pub near London Bridge and whose name I completely forgotten and I have to sort of re-record this bit. Um, um, but, but what I found was quite amazing there was way in advance how many people did book um, up. We were trying to book up the pub a week before, completely so completely booked up, uh, allegedly. But on the day, we actually managed to find a spot there. So I, I do think there's a bit of work to be done in some of these in generally booking systems. I think obviously for pubs, they're not quite used to it, but I think there's a lot more space out there, a lot more room for walk-ins than perhaps you realise. It's the horseshoeing I'm talking about in London. I'd thoroughly recommend. I was pretty impressed. I get a choice of real ales on the Monday the 12th. So recommend that. That was a, it was lovely and sunny, freezing cold, but it was a, a great treat after four months off. And did it snow? I think it snowed on that day as well. It didn't snowed it? on the way. It was, it was snowing on the way in in the morning on the train, but fortunately it didn't <laughs> snow while I was at the pub. The sun was out. When the sun Ooh, went behind a cloud, it really was chilly. The best thing about the hotel sector is? The best thing about the hotel sector, I think, is that at its best, a good hotel offers an escape just from the drudgery of every day. And it's got a quality of service that makes one feel special. And I really do think after the last... 12 months, whatever it's been, I think everyone benefits from being made to feel a bit special every now and then. And that's why I hope that we don't overdose on tech and that personal service is maintained because that's really what makes a difference. And that's what will keep the hotel sector successful, will keep consumer, consumers or business going to them and maintain demand levels. 
It really is, as my dishwasher can attest to. The hotel sector would be significantly improved if... No, I'm going to go to myself here and say, but I think it should it should be embracing <laughs> technology more than it has done, basically. Uh, I think particularly new builds and new brands, they've made many advantages, advantages but I think the exception would be of iPhone booking apps. I, I think the, the sector has been a slow adopter in many respects. As I say, I find it amazing you don't get digital cards where you can just charge everything to your room automatically as you go around a hotel. Um, and, and, and I think that basically just amazing hotel number of hotels you go in we have to search around and try and find uh somewhere to plug your iphone in because a limited number of plugs um so i think tech should be rolled out more um but it but i appreciate but for an existing hotel it's expensive business to do but i think if you're really gonna really want to sort of catch the next generation of travelers your generation z um you've really got to recognize you have to spend some money on this area to keep yourselves relevant indeed what the industry needs now is this is a slightly wider thing, but I think the, it probably needs a world to actually come together and try and make sure that we're driving a full vaccine rollout everywhere and trying to get those various anti-vax movements out there. I think as long as you've got vaccination rates in, in countries main legible and you've got a, this wide variation in controls, look at India, you're going to see variants arise and you're going to see governments being super cautious over allowing international travel as a result. So really, well, does have to pull together and try and drive down all the, vac- the rates everywhere, minimise these um, variants, because as long as, these restric- as you don't have that and restrictions remain in place and governments are cautious, mm. it's going to continue to be tough, tough for the sector. You can't see, for example, with luxury hotels in, in London really opening to uh, being successful until, say, the Americans are able to fly and or from the Far East at the moment, while you've got these variants popping up in places like India, then it's just not going to happen. But you can't. But the world's got to pull together yeah, on this. It's, bit it's more interesting that you bring up the anti vax movement and the reluctance part. I was talking to somebody at the school gate only this morning um, <laughs> who, who is American and, um, and, uh, and recently back from there. But, uh, but they'd said that they were just about at the capacity now. If you want a vaccine now in the US, you can go and get one. We know that you can go into supermarkets in certain states and get one, for example, while you're, while you're shopping. But they're not at the level that they need for herd immunity because the people who are left. Um, are reluctant or against it and you know what do you do then yeah and there was a stat I, we produced something a study we do something called the future consumer index looking at consumer views a few weeks ago and one thing i thought was interesting if you look at in the, the question was do you think covid will stop impacting you once you once the vulnerable have been vaccinated and i think in uk only 24 percent of mm. people thought this in the us it was 33 percent we look at India, it was 61% thought you just needed to get the vulnerable vaccinated. And in France, it was 65%. So there's this wide difference in, I guess, appetite for risk. And I guess you see what that's ended up in India, I suppose, that people just think once you've got the vulnerable, you just need to vaccinate the vulnerable. And it, it does feel from everything I've seen that India did sort of get it under control, was rather complacent, started doing the big political rallies without masks, and mm. it's gone one way. And just to take us, wrap this up, the final question, although it could be read as a statement, but it is a question, is I'd like to think we've learnt from this. I hope we've learnt the value of face-to-face communication. I think we all first went into lockdown. For many of us, it was a working from home was a pleasant novelty. It was nice and sunny. We were surprised how quickly we adopted to, to room and teams becoming an integral part of our lives. But now a year on, I think people are just sick of endless 
video calls from nine till five every day. And quite apart from the never ending, you're on mute reminders, recognize how limiting they really are in <laughs> attuning one to the still the true feelings and reaction levels in the meeting. So a genie's out of the box. I think we're stuck with video meetings. But um, much of reasons of travel budget and office space cost minimalizations and everything else. But I think it'll be a very sad day if physical meetings become the exception. Because as, as the lines always trotted out, we are social animals. And I think we do benefit from that personal, um, personal touch. And I hope that does come back. So that concludes our thoughts for this week. Thank you to everyone involved in creating this episode and providing something for your ears whilst walking the dog, washing the cat, chopping the veg, or however else you pass the time while podcasting. Please do review and subscribe if you get your ear entertainment via Apple, or follow new tricks if your ear delight comes from Spotify. These things make a difference, apparently. Until next time.